Right. Just uh, make sure. All right. I don't know if there's indication of where the sermon's going or not, but this temperature's coming down. I can tell you that right now. So it's about to get hot in here. What's that? Ah, there's a powerful button. Man. Wow, I like that. Let's try that. All right. Hey, there you go. Amen. All right. Let's take your Bibles this morning. Oh, yeah. That's real good. I like that. Y'all are in for it. Amen. Luke 17. Luke chapter 17. And uh, if you find your uh, place, if you'll stand uh, with me for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. And um, I knew that uh, this was the direction God was taking me uh, a few weeks ago when I preached uh, about as in the days of Noah. Uh, two weeks ago on Sunday morning, I preached uh, that uh, uh, verse, and we talked about that. Uh, so today, we're going to uh, look at the second illustration uh, Jesus gave, and that's what we read here in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 28. The Bible says, Likewise also, as when in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that's in the field, let him likewise not return back. And then look at this admonition, verse 32, remember Lot's wife. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you'd bless us now this morning. I pray that you'd help us, God. I pray that you'd, uh, Lord, as we open your word and preach from it, God, that you'd speak to us, we pray. God, the people didn't come to hear from me today, they come to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, flow through me, God, as I uh, preach the message that you've laid in my heart, God. And, and Lord, please, as, as we're uh, living in the days that we are, God, I pray that as Christians, uh, we would have our hearts stirred uh, to be what you'd have for us to be. We love you and we thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Again, as I mentioned, two weeks ago I preached that message entitled, As in the Days of Noah. And we went back through the, uh, to the book of Genesis and we looked and see what was going on in Noah's day compared to what is happening in our day. And you know what? Everything going on then is exactly what's going on now. Noah, by the way, wasn't the only example Jesus used in comparing the last generation to a previous generation. He also used, as we read there in verse 28, the example of Lot. And as we take a journey back to the days of Lot and compare what was going on then to what is going on on now, here's what I ask ourselves, okay? Christians, how much more of a sign do we need to see to understand the Lord is about to call His church to heaven? I mean, listen, folks, like I mentioned, uh, I used the illustration before, it's like the, the, the blinking uh, warning light uh, of, of your fuel tank, all right? I mean, uh, you're almost empty. It's, it's blinking, it's blinking, it's blinking. By the way, I don't think I did it on purpose, but I almost did the exact same thing dang yesterday as I did two weeks ago. We were driving back from Carmi from working at the church plant, and uh, somehow I forgot to put fuel in my truck, and literally we made it, except this time I only had two miles left, all right, and uh, instead of zero miles. But I almost did it again. What in the world? I guess so I could be in the sermon illustration again this morning, right? But listen, church, hey, how much more of a warning light do we need to know that, you know what, God's about ready to enact the next part of His end-time plan, amen? In fact, I'm not preaching this message this morning to discourage you. I'm preaching it exactly opposite to encourage you, amen? So that it will help us as Christians understand that the day of the Lord is almost nigh. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4 through 6, listen to these verses, but ye brethren, 
brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Amen? And listen, so that means uh, as Christians, we're not supposed to be surprised. You know why? Because we're watching, we're looking, we're seeing what's going on around us. Amen? And so today, we're going to go back uh, to the book of Genesis and the book of Ezekiel, because Genesis is the only place that talks about what was going on in the days of Lot. And we're going to look at the days of Lot and ask ourselves, is that what's going on in our day? Amen? So take your Bibles. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. Here's the first thing that we're going to see was going on in the day of Lot. And then we're going to ask ourselves, is this going on in our day and age today? And that's what we find here in Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. Notice what the Bible says. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. And then you don't have to turn there, but if you go back to Genesis chapter 13, verse 13, the Bible says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And here's the first thing that we're going to look at this morning that was going on then, and uh, we're going to see if that's going on today, and that is this, the sin of in-your-face sodomy. Now, listen, okay, I think you understand this, but this is not a political correct church. This is a Bible correct church. Amen? And listen to me, folks. There are certain things that despite what's going on in the culture, what's being pushed by seeming every everybody around us today, listen, the Bible still, what says is right is right, and what the Bible says is wrong is wrong. And let me tell you, I'm not just saying it's sodomy. It's in-your-face sodomy. Here are some news headlines from the, this last week, okay? Listen, not from two years ago, two months ago, from this week. Here are some news headlines of things going on around our country and around the world. It makes me sick to even read these things, but this I'm trying to illustrate so you'll figure it out, all right? Here they are. North Carolina City Council Drag Queen Story Hour, an event that has a, quote, big impact on kids. Target goes all in for Pride Month. State Farm needs a PR insurance policy after transgender book drive. As if you needed another reason to stop watching professional football, the NFL has begun the process of hiring transgender cheerleaders. What is a woman? It's a film that tackles an easy question that that the transgender cult refuses to answer. Several Tampa Bay Rays players declined to wear the LGBTQ logos for religious reasons. Oak Lawn United Methodist Church to self-appoint LGBTQ pastor after Bishop denies request. Pizza Hut is now grooming kids, targeting preschoolers with transgender propaganda. Woke drag queen pastor declares God is nothing in hate-filled blasphemous rants. Over $200,000 being spent on drag queen shows at the New York City schools. The LGBTQ Christian Church uh, now has their own queer hymnal called Songs for the Holy Other that makes God a sinner and a liar. Fox News highlight the story of Friday of a biological girl whose family encouraged her to identify as a boy as part of its America Together LGBTQ Pride Month series. 
coalition of taxpayer-funded transgender organizations reveal deeper motives, demand reparations, pay that money now. And this is just a handful of the articles of thanks going on within the last week in our country. You know what that's called, folks? That's called in your face is what that's called. Just as the Sodomites in the day of Lot were literally ready to beat down his door, demanding that he adhere to their perverse desires. It says this in Genesis chapter 19, And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break down the door. Let me tell you, they were in your face about their sin. You think Jesus was on to something when He said, as in the days of Noah and as in the days of Lot? Let me just remind you what God thought about that sin back in Lot's day. And by the way, there's still the same thing God still thinks about it today. Amen? Alright, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 13, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with the woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death, and their blood shall be upon them. Romans chapter 1 verses 26 and 27, For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. Uh, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving within themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. Listen folks, that's Bible. Amen? And by the way, I will say this when I preach against this subject. Nowhere are we to hate the sinner. Amen? We are to hate the sin. But let me just say this, folks. Uh, the sinners seem to be in your face about their sin. By the way, God has poured out divine judgment and has erased cities from existence because of this sin. Again, Genesis chapter 19, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and He overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities which had, and all that which grew upon the land. Listen to me, you study the Bible, you know what you find out? Homosexuality is the last stop on the road to becoming a reprobate. By the way, preacher, why are you preaching on this? Because I'm afraid as Christians, we've been desensitized by the culture. We're given into the lies. We're starting to drink the culture of the propaganda. And you know what? We don't so much have a Bible view of this anymore. Amen? And listen, the world's going to do what it's going to do. They sure are loud about their perversion. I think men of God ought to be louder about thus saith the Lord. Amen? They want to be loud. I'm going to be loud about it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, the sin of atheism, which leads to the sin of evolution, which leads to the sin of immorality, and then humanism, and then homosexuality, which then leads to the reprobate lifestyle, which always ends in the same place, and that is judgment. Judgment, as in the days of Lot. In your face, sodomy. Number two, take your Bibles, go to Ezekiel chapter 16. Man, I can't believe how prophetic this is when I read these verses. Ezekiel chapter 16, 
By the way, that's not the only sin that was going on uh, as in the days of Lot. That was maybe what we think of as the main sin, but there was other stuff going on that led to that. Ezekiel chapter 16, I want you to see these verses here, and I want you to look here at beginning in verse 49. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. Notice what the Bible says. It says this, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Now, y'all there, everybody there in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, I want you to say together with me that next word right after where it says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Let's all say it together. You ready? Pride. Hmm. Do you think it's an accident, folks, that this is considered to be Pride Month? You think that's an accident? You think that that's an accident that they have chosen that as their mantra to flaunt their perverseness? By the way, should it surprise us one bit that in God's eyes, before He recognized the sin of sodomy, the first sin on the list was the sin of pride. The sin of pride. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23. Amen. Pride shall bring him low. Are we seeing the sin of pride being prevalent today? Oh, I don't know. I've only seen within a few blocks of this church many a rainbow flag waving called pride flags. Oh, I don't know. There's only going on around this country. And yes, even in rural southern Indiana, throughout the month of June, pride parades and pride festivals. By the way, folks, this sin of pride is linked directly to the sin of sodomy. But you know what? It's just not the sin related to the sin of sodomy. Let me say this. Mankind's attitude uh, uh, in general seems to be an attitude that they don't need the God of heaven. I mean, folks, come on. Uh, uh, Do you know know what was said to God when as a country we took uh, the Ten Commandments off of courthouse lawns? You know what we were saying to God? Hey, God, we don't need you telling us what to do or how to live our lives. We want to live how we want to live. You know what that's called? Pride. You know what was said to God when Bible reading and prayer were taken out of our public school system almost 60 years ago? You know what we were saying to God? We don't need your rules. We don't need your blessings. We don't need your opinion on how we live our lives. You know what that's called? Pride. And by the way, every school shooting is a tragedy. Every school shooting is horrible. I wish none of them would happen. But why would we? should we be surprised when we told God to take a hike? Guess what? He did. Should it surprise us that all the things are going on that we're seeing going on today led from the sin of pride? So yes, I would say that the sin of pride is just as open and prevalent as it was in Lot's day. What do you think God thinks about pride? Well, I'll tell you what God thinks about it. Proverbs 6, verse 16 and 17. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. Guess what's number one on the list? A proud look. By the way, it doesn't say a proud heart. It doesn't say proud actions. It says a proud look. Amen? A proud look. Proverbs 15, 25. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud. So what do we see going on in the days of Lot? We see in your face sodomy. Number two, we see pride. Notice what else it says in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride? Look at this next phrase. Fullness of bread. Fullness of bread. What's that mean? It means this, greed. It means greed. Because look at the end of the verse. Notice what it says, Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. You know what that meant was this, all they cared about was themselves and didn't give a flip about anybody else that needed help. 
And it's not because they didn't have it. They were greedy and weren't willing to share it. Now who needs me here to try to convince you that we aren't living in a land of greed? A land where the way to get ahead, the way to make yourself rich is to step on the necks of those who are desperately trying just to take care of their families and just do the things that you've got to do in life to survive. Listen, please tell me you're not falling for the lie that the reason for higher food prices, higher fuel prices, and higher everything prices is because of COVID and the war in Ukraine. Please tell me you're not buying that. Because if you are, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Okay? You are, you are uh, hooked on the communist news network. And by the way, all of them are that way. It ain't just one or two or three or four. It's almost every single one of them. And let me tell you something, folks. That's not what's going on. This is being done deliberately. And although there's many reasons for it, I'm going to tell you what's at the top of the list. Greed. Greed. As the old saying goes, just follow the money. Now, I'm not just talking about the greed of politicians, although that's definitely there. I'm talking about the greed of many Americans. This has permeated down even to uh, a lot of Americans. You don't believe me? Just watch video footage when stores open their doors on Black Friday. People punching, fighting, yes, even killing each other over a stupid TV that they could buy any other day of the year, but because they're going to save a hundred bucks on it, they're going to kill somebody. You know what that's called? Greed. The famous stat I always use about, uh, about America, the fact that we only make up about four and a half percent of the world's population, but yet we produce twenty percent of the world's garbage. You know why? Because a lot, a lot of America is very greedy. And I know not everybody, but you know what? It seems like uh, the more we're getting to the end of this thing, the more prevalent that sin is becoming. Why? Because as in the days of Lot. Go back to Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, because that's not all that was mentioned. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, here we go, and abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. You know what that's called? Slothful. Called being lazy. By the way, I like the Bible term for the sluggard. Amen? The sluggard. Now God's not talking about having some downtime and a time of rest. Obviously not, because God set the pattern by resting Himself even though He didn't need to. He's not talking about having downtime. He's not talking about it's a sin to go on vacation or take some time off. Notice what it says there, though. It says, what? An abundance of idleness. By the way, we see this in Genesis chapter 19. Because when those angels came to town, how did that large group of sodomites know where those angels were at? How did they follow them to Lot's house? Listen, Sodom was a big city. How did they know that? I'll tell you how they knew that. Because they were idle, and because they were idle, they sat around thinking about and looking for wickedness to indulge in. Now, I don't know about you folks, but part of the reason uh, why I can stay, uh, or I try to stay at least in my life right with the Lord, you know why? Because I don't have time to get into a bunch of foolishness. Almost every hour of my day is planned. Almost every single hour. I started yesterday morning my day at about 6 o'clock in the morning, and it ended last night when I sat down in my chair about 8 o'clock. Every single day almost is like that because it's planned. Now, it's not all planned with work. Sometimes I plan a little bit of hobby time or family time or something like that. But listen, it's planned. And let me just say this. Listen to me. As a Christian, you must learn to live your life on schedule. Live your life on purpose. Amen. Listen to me. Hey, plan your life with good and wholesome things. 
Plan your life that way. Listen, have a balance in your life. Now, I know it may, uh, it may not be a Bible verse, but you know what? It's a Bible principle, the fact that idle hands are the devil's workshop. Amen? You listen, you just sit around and you just have nothing to do. I'm going to tell you right now, you'll start thinking of things to do, and a lot of times they won't be the right kind of things. The abundance of idleness. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18. Listen to this verse. By much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through. Listen to me. You just let things go and see what happens. Okay? You just get lazy. You just decide you're not going to mow your yard anymore. You're not going to weed eat anymore. It won't take long for that thing to start looking like a jungle. Amen? You just decide you're not going to keep up on repairs and and you're just not going to take care of the things that must be taken care of when you own a vehicle, when you own a house, and and, and, anything in life. You know what's going to happen? It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Amen? Because slothfulness is something that will lead to destruction. Proverbs 19, verse 15. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall hu- suffer hunger. And again, folks, I'm not, I'm not against trying to help people. I'm all about that. Uh, but, but let me say this. I'm about giving a hand up, not a hand out. Amen? I'll help somebody who is trying to help themselves, but if someone just wants to be lazy, guess what? I don't have a lot of tolerance for that kind of stuff because God doesn't have a lot of tolerance for that kind of stuff. I want you to see a passage of Scripture here. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Again, folks, it's Bible. We're going to preach the Bible around here. Amen? I don't care whether uh, people like it or not. I didn't take an opinion what man's uh, reaction was going to be this morning to the message I was preaching. Amen? I, I want to make sure that I'm preaching what God wants me to preach. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now notice what the Bible has to say here. Very interesting verses here with some very interesting principles. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 11. This is the instruction to the church here. Here's what it says. But the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And with all, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some are already turned aside after Satan. Let me tell you, that's a powerful passage of Scripture that most preachers won't touch with a ten-foot pole. But listen to me, what's the principle being taught here? He's talking the fact that there is a temptation, there is a target attack of Satan based upon what the passage says here about younger women who are widows. Because let me tell you what younger women need uh, when they are in that phase of life. They need exactly what the Bible says. Verse, verse 14. I will therefore the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. You know what that, you know what that means? That means you're involved in a lot of hard work. Amen. And my hats go off to hard-working ladies. And we got a lot of hard-working ladies in this church. Amen? And I thank you, ladies, for your, for your work ethic and, and for the things that you're involved in. Listen to me. That's important because, listen, if you're not careful, if you're idle, you're a target of the devil. That's what the Bible says. Amen? I didn't say it. God said it. All right? And so listen to me. All that to say, and I don't believe that's just true with, 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 with ladies. I believe that's true with everybody. But listen, we need to stay busy doing right. Stay busy doing right. Listen, folks, we only got so much life. By the way, the day you started, the day you were born, a clock started ticking. The Bible says it's appointed a man once to die. You know what that means? God has predetermined the day of your death, and it started the second that you were conceived in your mother's womb. 
And, and life started ticking, amen? Listen, you only got so much of it. Don't waste a second of it, amen? Listen, stay busy doing right. It will keep you where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Second, or I'm sorry, yeah, Second Samuel chapter 11 is the story of David and his sin with Bathsheba. You realize that sin could have been avoided had David been where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there? Listen to this verse here. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. Kings go forth to battle. It was David's job to be in the battle with his men. Okay? But, or it says that, David sent Joab and all his servants and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. Listen to this. Here it is. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. You know what that was called? Spiritual setup is what that was called. The devil was orchestrating things, and he was setting things up, and because David wasn't where he was supposed to be, he walked right into the devil's trap. Now understand, he, he, he furthered uh, making bad choices, and he got himself into that. It could have been completely avoided had he been where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. Listen to me, folks. Be where you're supposed to be. Amen? By the way, guess where you're supposed to be on Sunday morning? Right where you're at today. Amen? You're supposed to be in the house of God. Guess where God wants you tonight at 5 o'clock? Amen? Right where you're at right now in the house of God. Amen? Listen, it's where you're supposed to be. Guess where God wants you on Thursday night at 7 o'clock? Right here in the house of God. Amen? Alright? Because listen, as Christians, we need to be where we're supposed to be. It will keep us out of trouble. So as in the days of Lot, what was going on? In your face, sodomy. Number two, pride. Number three, greed. Number four, abundance of idleness. But to me, this is the saddest thing that was going on in Lot's day. And that was this. Go back to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. Number five was the lack of righteous people. The lack of righteous people. Yes, Sodom had a... What uh, was involved in wicked sins. But yet, what's amazing to me is what we read in Genesis chapter 18. For sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but the context is, is that God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And then that great, those great verses where Abraham literally began to, uh, uh, talk to God about sparing the city. Notice what it says. And he said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be twenty found there. He started at 40 or 50 and started working his way down. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. And he said, Oh, not, not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, 10 shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. You understand what God just did right there? God was willing to postpone judgment, all the wickedness, all the pride, all the, uh, the, the greed, all the abundance of idleness, if there had only been 10 righteous people. What a sad testament. God was looking for a certain number to hold back His judgment. I'm not for sure the population of those group of cities, but based upon historical evidence, they were in the thousands. So understand what God was proposing to Abraham here. Think about this. In order for God to spare thousands of people from a fiery judgment, all He was looking for was ten righteous people. Ten. Even though he had already said to Abraham, because their, the cry has come up before me and it's great, because their sin is very grievous, he was willing to spare it for only ten righteous people? What a merciful God! Amen? Nobody, nobody will ever accuse God of not being merciful. Nobody. 
Because let me tell you something. God's nature is He would rather show mercy than bring judgment. That's His nature. Amen. We see it all throughout the Scripture. There is passage after passage after passage that talks about how that His mercy endureth forever. In fact, there's a whole chapter in the book of Psalms where every verse ends with that phrase, and His mercy endureth forever. What a merciful God we serve. By the way, we better be thankful for the mercy of God. Because let me tell you something, folks. It took just as much mercy and grace to save us as it did anybody. Amen. Be thankful for God's mercy. Be thankful for God's grace. I believe this principle was not only true for Sodom and her surrounding cities, but I believe this principle has been true throughout history, and it's also true for the nations of the earth today. I believe in God's mind, America also has a number. I believe as God Almighty looks down from heaven, He sees the blood of over 60 million babies flowing in the name of women's right. He's looking for some righteous people. I believe as God looks down from heaven and sees all the perversion and abomination committed and endorsed by a government in the name of equality, He's looking for some righteous people. I believe as God looks down from heaven and sees a country dominated with self, pride, materialism, He's looking for a few righteous people that will give Him a reason not to uh, bombard this judgment or this nation with fiery judgment. God's looking for righteousness. Let me say this, church, because this is where it gets real. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're living a righteous life. Let me tell you why. Because the very word itself means just, lawful, clean, clear. Now, being saved obviously is part of it. Amen? I mean, listen, your sins will never be righteous before God unless they're washed in the blood like we sang this morning. Amen? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It begins there. Amen? That's part of it, getting saved. But you know you can be saved and not be living a clean life. You realize that? You can have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, yet participate in unrighteous behavior. In fact, I believe when God looked at Sodom, He didn't see any righteous people. He didn't see any. We know Lot was saved. The Bible tells us he was saved. In fact, if the Bible didn't tell us, nobody in their right mind would think Lot was saved. But he was, because the Bible says he was, but I don't believe he was living a righteous life. You see, when God looks at America, He may see religion. But having religion doesn't make you righteous. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I despise that word religion. Because let me tell you what religion is. It's man's attempt to try to appease God in their way. I don't have religion. I'm not uh, religious, but you know what I do have? A relationship. Amen? I love using that line. I I talked to several people this week and said that exact same thing. You see, folks, when God looks at America, He sees people going to buildings they call churches. But going to a place with the name church on the sign doesn't make you a righteous person. When God looks at America, He sees all kinds of things done in the name of God. But that doesn't mean uh, He sees them done by righteous people. By the way, this was the testimony of God when He looked at Israel in a time of its spiritual darkness. Ezekiel chapter 22, listen to these verses. Verse 29 through 31. The people of the land have used oppression, exercised robbery, have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Maybe you ought to preach a message called that in the days of Ezekiel. Because that's going on too. Notice this. And I sought for a man among them that I should make up the hedge and stand the gap uh, before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But notice this next phrase. What a very sad uh, few words. But I found none. I found none. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own, uh, their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. 
You see, folks, when God was looking for a reason not to destroy the land of Israel, He was looking for something to hold back His judgment. He was looking for a man to stand between the nation and His judgment. But what a sad testimony that, you know what, He had to save His very own nation. He had found none. I wonder how many righteous people God sees when He looks at America. I don't know the exact ratio of righteousness to evil that God's looking for, but I wonder if it's enough. Understand statistics vary some. But according to 2021, there are approximately 20 million sodomites in America. By the way, it's not as much as they want you to think it is. Okay, that's roughly only 5.6% of the population of the United States. They want you to, they want you to think, by the way, again, their lies, their propaganda, that they make up 20 to 30%. That is a lie. It's not true. That means though, think about this, just for that one sin, just for the sin of sodomy, there would need to be 400,000 righteous people in all 50 states just to outnumber the sodomites. I don't know if there's 400,000 righteous people in all the United States combined. I don't know. I'm not God. I can't read a heart. The only, the only person I know is righteous or not is, is, is the guy talking to you. Only one. I can't look at someone else's heart. But folks, listen, I'm not talking about people who claim Christianity. I'm talking about people who are living a righteous life. And I don't know how God figures it, but I do know this, that it's important as Christians, we live the righteous life God wants for us to live. The Bible clearly teaches that righteous Christians are the preserving factor for a sin-infested world. We sang it this morning, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know where that came from? Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus said, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Notice here, the Bible says, ye are the salt of the earth. You know what salt was used for back in Bible days? In our day and age, it's to cover up somebody's bad cooking, okay? All right? But back then, salt was used for preservation. That's how they preserved things. It was a preserving factor. And Jesus said that if a salt no longer preserves, you know what it's good for? Nothing. And I'm afraid, folks, and I don't mean to be harsh and mean by saying this, I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians out there that, yeah, they got their fire insurance. Yeah, they're going to heaven. But when it comes to uh, being righteous, you know what? Truth be told, they're just not really good for much. Because they're not living a righteous life. They're dominated by sin. They're dominated by the flesh. They're dominated by their will instead of God's will. And when God looks at a Christian like that, you know what He says? Be cast out. Now again, I don't mean you're going to lose your salvation. I'm just saying you're not useful to God. By the way... We can get that point in our lives as Christians, amen, where we're not useful to God. And by the way, that's why the Bible says that there, as a Christian, there's a sin and a death. That means this, you can get to the point where you're so uh, uh, not anything going on in your life as a Christian, God just says, you know what, you just come up to heaven because you're not doing me any good down on earth. What a sad testimony. He says, you're salt, but knows what else He says. Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Listen now, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Listen, folks, we're called to be salt. We're called to be light. Amen? We're to illuminate this dark world. By the way, how do you illuminate the dark world? I'll tell you how you do it. You live a righteous life. Because let me tell you something. When you live righteous in this generation you will stick out. Everywhere you go, it will be notable. From the way you act, from the way you treat people, by the way you dress, 
Amen? It matters to God. He's looking for righteousness. So we're living, are we not, in the days of Lot? I mean, I think the Bible's very clear on that. Because the same sin we saw going on back then is the same sin we've seen going on today. We see the sin of in-your-face sodomy. We see the sin of pride, the sin of fullness of bread, abundance of idleness, and a lack of righteous people. Now here's the practical part of the message this morning. How are we to live in the days of Lot? What are we to do? I mean, are we just to, you know, go hide in a bunker somewhere and wave a white flag of surrender until Jesus comes to get us? Is that what you think God wants for us to be doing? I'll tell you how to live in the days of Lot. Number one, make sure you're saved. Amen? Preacher, you preach about salvation again, you better believe it. Amen? It's the number one message that every Christian ought to be preaching about. By the way, God gives every Christian responsibility of preaching the gospel. That means this, ladies, you ought to be preaching the gospel. You know, you're preachers. Now, you, God doesn't want you to hold the position of pastor, okay? But you ought to be preaching. And it shouldn't just be, you know, negative things to your husband all the time. Amen? Oh, man, I said it, didn't I? Wow. All right, that pendulum swings both ways, though, does it not? Okay? No, listen to me. No, you ought to be preaching. Listen, you ought to be uh, on a regular basis doing everything you can to get the gospel out. Amen? Giving out gospel tracts as God gives you opportunity. God blessed me with an opportunity this week. I was, uh, man, I hate to even say this because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get ragged for it. But, uh, yeah, I was uh, having issues with my truck again this week, amen? And I had to go to the parts store, and, and I went there, and um, I had to take some parts back. So I went in there, um, it was Friday night, I believe, and I went back in there, and it was um, just the uh, store manager and another guy that was working there. And I, and I talked to him the day before, so they, they expected me to come back because I had to bring these parts back. And uh, it was just those two guys, so we started talking. And, uh you know, just making casual conversation, just like I always do. And then uh, he noticed my T-shirt, and uh, my T-shirt uh, had that famous biblical um, uh, letters on it that say NRA, okay? And um, he saw that, and, and, and that we just start talking. Start talking about, you know, firearms, start talking about the state of the world. And all of a sudden, you know what? God just kicked the door wide open. Amen? And uh, one thing led to another. We're talking about, you know, the craziness in this world. And I said, guys, listen to me. I said, I'm a pastor, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm not concerned about it. And I said my famous tagline, I always say, things aren't falling apart, they're falling in place. And brother, God gave me an opportunity for 20 minutes. I preached the gospel to those two guys in AutoZone. I, listen, I wasn't witnessing, I was preaching. Sorry, the preach came out. Amen, all right? I mean, it was just like sometimes it is here on Sunday morning. And you know what? For 20 minutes, God didn't allow anybody to walk in that store. Nobody came, no one disturbed us. I'm going to tell you, those guys were locked into me. I was trying to lead them to Christ right there, but uh, that, that we weren't quite ready for that. But man, I preached the gospel. They, they accepted the, the, um, the gospel tracts, and uh, you know, I got an opportunity to at least plant a seed. Amen? Listen, look for opportunities everywhere. Okay? Friday night, before we went there, we, we were eating at you know famous Baptist place in town, Lupe's, right? And we were in there early, not a lot of people in there. Some of you uh, know the guy that's in there that plays music. He come over and start talking to us because he, we go in there all the time. Got an opportunity to witness to him. My wife got an opportunity to witness to one of the waitresses in there. Listen to me, folks. The opportunities are everywhere. We just got to take them. All right? So number one, make sure you're saved. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're born again. Number two, make sure you're part of the righteous number that preserves. If there's ever time as a Christian to... Listen, folks, come on, think about it. In a race, if someone's running a race and they round that last bend and the finish line's in sight, 
They just start coasting and taking easy because there's the finish line. The race is almost over. Hey, let's just put it in cruise control. Is that what they do? No, you know what you do? You turn the afterburners on. Listen, you give it all you got. You literally run the last breath out of you because you know the finish line's in sight. Now's not the time, church. Now's not the time, Christian, to give up. Now's not the time to give in to the flesh. Now's not the time to give in to temptation. Now's the time to be as righteous as you can be. Amen? Why? Because God's looking for righteousness that we'll preserve. I don't know what that number is in God's mind. Sodom had their number. I believe America has their number. But I would hate to think that my life was the one that dipped us below the scale. I would hate to think that me giving in the flesh was all it took for judgment to come. You say, oh, that's not how it is. Really? Because we've seen all through the Scripture, that's what it is. Amen? Listen, folks, I'm not, I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. Okay? God doesn't want you to you know, go up to a, a mountain monastery and, and take a vow of silence and live up there forever. That's not what He wants. I mean, listen, folks, we are, we are, we are in the world, but not of the world. God put us here to be vocal about what He's done for us because He wants us to reach people all around us and He wants us to, uh, as we do that, yes, preach the gospel, but in turn, live a righteous life. It doesn't mean perfect, but it just means this, a clean right before God, doing everything you know to do that's right. I'm going to tell you, righteousness is important. Amen? And God's looking for it. It's the preserving factor of a nation. The number three, how to live in the days of Lot. Man, this is good. Keep looking up because our redemption draweth nigh. Keep looking up, folks. I'm going to tell you, it ain't going to be much longer. Okay? Again, everything's coming together. I mean, folks, listen. I don't know if I've ever seen it as in your face as it's been this year. When I'm talking about what's going on right now uh, with this thing called Pride Month. This is in your face. This is everywhere. Listen, it was not this bad last year. I'm just telling you, it's not. I mean, God forbid you would watch a, a, a commercial on TV. I mean, 50 to 60, I don't even know because I don't even watch them. But I would dare say 50 to 60 to 70% of the stinking commercials have something to do with cramming that lifestyle down the throats of people. And by the way, it's working because people are getting desensitized to it. And by the way, it's not, don't fall for this lie, oh, we just want to be left alone. No, they don't. No way. Supposedly, uh, oh, tolerance, tolerance. They're the most intolerant group there is. Amen. They want total acceptance, and not just acceptance, but total, you bow at our feet and you worship us. That's what they want. Well, guess what? They're not getting it from me. Now, I'll preach the gospel to them, amen. They need Jesus just as much as anybody else does. But I will never fall and bow at the altar of that wicked lifestyle. By the way, Christian, Every time we indulge as far as, you know, programming that it's in and, you know, other stuff, listen, we're, we're, we're bowing down. Listen, take the stupid idiot box out, take a shotgun out, do what the young men did this week, and, and uh, a turkey shoot it with the 20-gauge, amen? Listen, you don't need that garbage anyway. All right? It's a bunch of filth. It's wickedness. Wicked as hell is what it is. I'm going to tell you, they're coming after our children. And it's working, by the way. Because now we got this generation. I mean, come on, really? You think a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old knows anything about transgender? I'm going to tell you, it's wicked as hell is what it is. And we're living in the days of Lot. So folks, listen to me. Brimstone's about to fall. Okay? And I'm not saying this message, number one, to be hateful and mean. 
Because I'm going to tell you, I'd be the first guy out there to try to reach somebody with the gospel that is in that lifestyle. I'm not afraid to witness to them. In fact, I told you the story not that long ago. Maybe it was last year. I got a call from someone who needed some help, needed a gas card to get to work. You know what? I went and bought him a gas card, took it to him. And you know what? Very obvious when I, when I took it to him, they were involved in that lifestyle. What I do, you know, how dare you, you know, you know, why, why would you try to get help from me? No, you know what I did? I gave it to him and then I began giving him the gospel. By the way, I invite him to this church. Anybody's welcome here. And we're not going to allow foolishness, I can tell you that. We're not going to allow someone to come in here and make a mock of our service and just openly parade their sin on purpose to do that. That ain't happening, amen? Right? But listen, anybody that has a genuine desire for God's welcome through that door. Amen? And listen, folks, we've got to get the Gospel out. So come on, church. We're living in the days of Lot, but listen, it's not a bad thing as far as for us as Christians because we know what's coming for us. Alright? And listen, let's not, let's not just be you know, coasting to the finish line. Hey, let's hit it and get it. Amen? Let's put the pedal to the metal. Let's finish this thing strong because I'm going to tell you, it ain't going to be much longer, folks. And just as in the days of Noah, the rain's coming, the flood's coming, and just as in the days of Lot, the brimstone's going to fall. Let's pray.